So first things first, hi Patrick. Hi, how, how are, are you? you? Very good, and you? I'm very good, thank you. <laughs> well, we started talking before the camera was turned on and we were talking about how you visited Amsterdam quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So do you remember your first trip to Amsterdam? If I'm not mistaken, the first time I played Amsterdam was at the Perdiso, so it's a very spoiled way to play Amsterdam the first okay. time. And we were opening up for James Brown. Okay. I believe that is the first time. It's either that one or the Lonely Deer. I don't know which one came first. No, it's the James Brown, I think, that came first. Because then I played upstairs with Lonely Deer. And then we played after, Interpol after. Yeah, it was James uh, Brown was the first one. So yes, that was the first time I played them. What is your memory of, this, of that time and kind of being on the road? Well, I mean, Amsterdam is such a particular city. I mean, for you guys, you're all used to it. <laughs> but like, obviously your first moment in Amsterdam is like, oh my God, I'm always this guy hit by a bike. <laughs> like, you know, I know it's like you guys hear it all the time, but like, what do you want? It's like one of the first memories is like, I mean, those bikes, I just remember being like, there's no cars here. What a magical place. I know it's like you guys are all used to it. So it's pretty obvious answer, but maybe you underestimate the kind of pace of this city because it's no cars. Mm. Really gives us such a magical feel. And maybe when you're not from here, like it blows your mind when you come here. And when you are from here, you just, it's just like everybody says that, so you're probably sick of it. But I just remember this, the bike passes. I don't know, just the whole feeling of the city was just like a pretty magical city to me. I just loved it pretty quickly, actually. But what you're saying is that I'm from a smaller town somewhere else in the country. And it, it does take some adjusting coming here because it's with the bikes, it's even oh, it's worse. It's crazy. Yeah. Like you'd literally almost die for the first <laughs> 10 minutes walking in Amsterdam. <laughs> And it's like not by a car, it's by a bike. And it's by like a really grumpy Dutch person who's like totally sick of tourists. Like, oh my God, oh my God. They're yelling at you like, I'm so sorry, I just got here. And they're screaming at you and you're like, okay, a darker red is death and a lighter red is walk. Great, I've got it. Woo. <laughs> Do you remember, because what year was this? Do you remember? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, no, the early back. 2000s, okay. like 2005 or something like that. I don't know, something like that. This is so probably after your first record uh, was released. Do you it's remember? Probably right before Close to Paradise. Okay. Do you remember what? Uh, or after? I don't know. What kind of uh, mindset you were in as an artist at that point? Where you were as in your, let's say, musical development. I don't know. It's really hard to remember what that period is. I know we were doing Close to Paradise, so we were... I was coming from more of a multimedia weird theater shows into like trying to make songs. Mm -hmm. And we were playing shows as a band in like real like show settings where I, before I just we just make weird stages and places. So I was just getting into the idea of like how to play a show. If I remember properly, I was learning, right. especially that tour, I was learning how to be a front man and I had a really good teacher. So he's teaching me how to do it night after night and I just kind of learned my ropes that way and then plus everybody hates you when you play before James Brown so you get used to that. <laughs> so it's like a great training so you have to get on stage and be like oh Christ stop doing that put James Brown on stage and you didn't have to deal with that. So I just used to learn how to be a front man by the nature of survival. <laughs> what is one thing that you saw in them that you kind of uh, that you learned from as a front man? Oh uh, I think that I think why I learned from that tour was that like I would have assumed beforehand that he was directing the audience or like he was conducting the, the feel, the concert, the audience. Mm. Or watching him night after night, I realized it was actually a, a partnership between him and the audience. Mm. And he would like give them, he would give them like moments of explosions and then he'd wait for them to tell him when he could explode again. 
even if it cost 10 minutes of waiting at the bridge and he would stay there for, for the chorus and he'd actually wait for them to be just they wouldn't be out taking more like give me the chorus and then he'd call the band and give them the chorus so i realized it was a bit more closer to what I used to do in church as a kid, right. and it was much more of a community, a communal kind of experience instead of like, I just would have thought he just kind of, he just dictated it and didn't entirely work that way. In fact, I mean, did and didn't. It's a mix. So, so he's he's not presenting himself as somebody who's up here and then the, the audience is down no, here. No, in fact, he makes everybody right. taller. I mean, that's the real trick. That's probably the greatest trick of like the I think the greatest performers. It's not like making you look really cool on stage. It's making everybody feel cool in the audience. And I think that's a big difference. Sure. You know what I mean? There's like sure. a lot of people go on stage and want to look how special I am. But then there's some performers that make everybody feel really special. And I kind of think that's the greater of the two talents. So you mentioned your church background. and. Uh yeah, I mean, I'm not a religious person no, no, by any stretch of imagination. In, 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 in the sense of uh, singing, like in the that. sense, of, the reason why that, that would be relevant is that like music in a church is relevant in the sense of moments of people passing grief or important moments like they're getting married or like other important moments in their life, and they like they come with big emotions. And then the music's job is to participate in those emotions with them. Do you know what I mean? And help sure. people through those kind of things. So I grew up in music it being kind of a tool for people and not like a party thing, more like a, a thing that was an important part of their lives. And I actually had no idea about bands or cool or fun things. I guess didn't have, I was in a small town, I didn't know what the hell was going on until mm -hmm. much later, then I mixed the two, but I know it just grew, you just grew up being like, you're like, it's a job. It's like a, you're like gonna participate, even though you're singing, it's not about you singing, it's about a moment and you're supposed to give people that moment. It's not really about you. So can I assume that this has always been your approach to not only performing live, but in terms of what you kind of wanted the effect of your music to be? I'm definitely a musician that I believe music belongs to music and doesn't belong to me. I definitely mm. come from that school of thought. I, you know, I, I don't... So like some, someone comes up to you like, man, you changed my life. Or like, mm. I had my first child with you, or like when my dad passed, you were there for me. And, and I'm like... The thing about it is, is like melodies and notes and sound, they're very powerful tools that have like a huge effect on people. And it, it, it'd be a little bit ridiculous if I kind of thought that was because of me and not because of music. So I, I, I'm much more into the idea of like letting music take the credit, not me, mm. in a kind of way of dealing with it. I just find it more fun in the end anyways, less pressure and just, that just belongs to music, not to me. But in, in the sense of your music being able to reach people and to connect mm -hmm. with people, then um, is that a conscious thing when you're writing and when you're creating music, or is that something that just happens, as it were? There's a certain sensibility. There is like a difference between singing for yourself, playing for yourself, and then letting music just mm. do its thing. There's a difference between the two. So I think it's just a conscious sensibility where you, there's, a, there's a generous place and there's not a generous place. So yeah, I do enjoy the generous place more than the other. Right, because I can imagine that uh, over the years, uh, well, you've also written for a lot of uh, TV shows, mm -hmm. uh, movies. There's a lot. Uh, there's a visual component to what you do. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of the, you're working uh, in assignment. So now with waves. 
of wave. Is it wave? Sure, wave? I don't know. You pick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, someone told me this morning they like should have called it Melody Noir, and I'm like, <laughs> so much better. <laughs> I was so upset when he said that. <laughs> like stuff. <laughs> Anyways, continue. No, but um, <laughs> is it fair to say that that the record was a little bit more inward looking than than maybe what you've done in the past? Is it? Inward looking. Uh, I I don't know if it's inward looking. It's a lot. It's a lot less abstract. Mm. It's a little bit more to the point. Right. And I don't know if I look. I always think I look outward, not inward. I think it's always on the way out, not on the way in. It's not a diary by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. That's for sure. I'm not into diary writing. I don't like doing it. Right. I don't again. I mean, some people do it really well. Like. For example, like Sufjan Stevens, his lyrics sometimes feel like you're reading a diary, but he's a fucking genius, and I want to read his diary, and I don't want to read my diary. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's sure. some people you just want to hear like what kind of cake was on the table and what song was playing on the radio, and some people have that gift of being able to make that really interesting. I would say 95% of people don't, and a small percentage of 5% do, and I think Sufjan Stevens is a great example of that, someone who actually can do that. Right. And it'd be like totally amazing, but that really takes a really particular type of person and a special person. I think for me. But do, but do you do you acknowledge that people might say the same about you? I have a very different gift. Not you know what I mean. I, I think my lyrics are a little bit more easy to own and in a personal way. Uh, in your you know what I mean. Mm. They'll just grab on and be able to put it as part of their life and feel like it's talking about exactly. I think it's a little bit more of an open landscape. Mm than as direct as Sufjan Stevens. Uh, I'm sure it does something for some people and I'm, I'm proud of that, you know what I mean? Like everybody does something different and, and that's cool, you know? Right, but also in the sense like, I'm, I'm sure that there's people uh, that would like to read your diary in a sense. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it just, I, I don't know. I. Maybe, I mean, Maybe I'm wrong. It's, it's just... Uh, it's just that like some people have a magical eye of like... Like some even... Like, some writers even, like, like they, they'll just like talk about a very monotonous room and just the, what they catch in that room is just like so entertaining mm. because they just know how to look at that room the proper way. Where I am better at capturing what that room feels like the visceral description right. of that room and I can color the room and you can feel what that room feels like but I don't have the talent of describing what the objects in the room that like some people do but I can definitely give you the taste in the mouth what it tastes like. In, in, in terms of capturing that visceral uh, kind of sense of the room then what, what's why, where, how do you start with a song? Is it always with some, some uh, sound? Oh, there's or? no recipe. It's just a disaster. <laughs> so you have to figure it out. Each, uh, you each just album throw there. everything you can at the wall and then like <laughs> something, either you have a lyric or you have a note, you have a melody, you have a, you're, like, you're just looking for anything that just kind of like grabs you in a certain way and then you just go from there. And that mm. can be either from Mishka or from me or from anybody in the band. At that point you just, but when you do catch a fish, you just know it's a fish and then you start mm. like trying to wheel it in but you just try everything you can to catch fish. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> when you started kind of this, this idea of, of, well, let me ask you differently. When did the idea of this album start to take shape? Because Broken, I believe, was released in 2017, if I'm... It only took shape like in the last three months. Okay. <laughs> I figured out how to put it as a record, but 
It was this constant chaos. Okay. So it was like, always thought I was be finishing, then I restart, and I'm like, oh, life's all different. Fuck, I gotta restart, and then, I, then, and then at the end, I just said, fuck it, I'll just put it all on one record. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just such a chaotic four years. I, I don't think there was a plan of attack. I think it was, other than I knew that I wanted to make a simple record with not too much production. Mm. I knew I wanted to be pretty direct and sincere. So I guess that's why you meant like it's an intimate record. But direct and sincere as being like just, I didn't want to make too much fluff. Right. I didn't want too much poetry. I just wanted to be like, hey, this is a weird day. <laughs> right. This is a weird day. I was going to say it like it is. I was a bit, in, I was listening to a lot of, like I thought, like when you had like the new R&B stuff out, like Frank Ocean stuff, there's like this real kind of rawness to the lyrics mm. uh, that I think you just can't go backwards from once that's been laid out. And, and then the, the only other, I, I, which made me think of John Lennon who had that, he's the only old school writer that kind of, for me, had that kind of rawness that I think would have worked in the modern age. So there's, I was just looking for that kind of raw, visceral like lyrics and words that could like, if I took away the music, it's still like give you a pretty strong impact. Right. So I was definitely working on my lyrics. I did some work for Lennon Cohen on his last record. And that obviously had a huge influence on I mean it's it's especially in like delivery and intention. I mean, you know, I'm obviously not a poet like Leonard Cohen in, in some ways. I do my own thing, but you know what I mean? He's like very much like one of the best poets. Sure. Or known as the best poets. I mean, I prefer his interviews, I always say that, okay. than to his song lyrics. I find them more poetic and more beautiful. Okay. Funny enough, but anyways, it's a whole that's lot a, of No, 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 I should check him out, because I, I have listened to his music. I haven't seen many interviews. I, would li I find his interviews, I'm not a big fan of Devils and Angels kind of lyrics, mm. like the big, like big religious themes or like big ideas. I, I really like humble. So sometimes in his interviews, he'll just say this like really like sincere, small idea. And it'll be so eloquent and so graceful that you're just like, wow, what a genius. And I like just lyrics and songs like that too, but they're also shrouded by lots of like pretty heavy duty poetry. And I just, sometimes in his interviews, the way he's so direct, mm. I was more inspired by those words and sometimes his song words, funny enough for me, but most people would shoot me for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the directness and the kind of the rawness uh, in terms of lyrics and then focusing or honing in on that. Was that also a reaction on kind of the chaotic nature of the, of the past couple of years? No, I wanted to do that anyways. Okay. I think it's a really, really loud world. Mm. It's, when I come home at the end of the day, I just can't take it anymore. Mm. So like you just want something to kind of like, it's just like, it's just like there to you. You don't want all the crazy bells and whistles because everything's got bells and whistles on it. So at some point in the day, like I was trying to figure out what, There's lots of music people like talking about and be like, that's a great record and that's really cool, but then no one actually really listens to it for real. And then there's like some records that are just more subtle that people actually just actually listen to. You know, there's a, I think there's a difference and a distinguished difference. And I just wanted to make a record people listen to and not talked about. This is, uh, I don't know if this is a good question, but uh, do you think there's an ideal way to listen to your music then or this record? I think you should listen to it loud. I think because I mix it really loud and when I listen to it and I don't think it has this full effect of it's like, I definitely think driving or walking or doing something like that usually is the best. Mm. Like moving somewhere and you have headphones on, I think that's gonna be fun, but 
I don't know. People do what they like to do. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, the reason why I brought up Broken is because it does uh, deal with, I suppose, uh, something that you've experienced uh, mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So, how do you kind of take what's going on in your life and then uh, quite abstractly or, or as concretely as you like, um, create something out of that that, that, uh, that people can connect with? I mean... Hmm. Or isn't it that conscious? Uh, it's not a really conscious decision. You know, you're not really consciously ever making those kinds of decisions. I know broken. I don't like writing songs like broken very often. Okay. I think those kind of songs are you should write. You can write them every once in a while. I think too many of them is. It's very easy to write sad songs and stuff. And it's like they're. It's very easy, unless it's like a particular part of your life where you like really super duper mean it. Mm. And it's time, and it's like that was time for that song, and I just felt, I don't know, it just, I kind of wrote it really viscerally, it was just really like, there's not much thought put into it in that tune, it was just, I just okay. laid it on the table. And was that the first record, that, uh, first song that you wrote that ended up on no, the record? No, I wrote Here Comes the River first, okay. or, or The Wave, one or the other, I can't remember which one. So was that idea of, of a wave or the wave already established by the time you uh, it was established like a couple, a lots of many different ways. Mm. One like dealing with like, uh, oh, when your head's like not doing well and you have to learn how to like deal with that. Mm. I mean, one of the things is, is like, you have to know when you've got to let your brain do its thing and not fight it and just let it pass before you like do anything. Sure. You know, like you just kind of have to learn to accept certain things and like in like swim with it and as soon as you swim against a current it just gets a million times worse mm -hmm. so it was a bit invented that also invented in a way that I was like okay my life just got totally swept away and I was like oh I'm just gonna have to go with it like I can't you know like trying to fight for something that, that doesn't work it's not just gonna it just means you're gonna drown right so that the moment you just kind of let go and be like well this is gonna hurt <laughs> and then you get swept in the wave and it's gonna toss and turn you. If you just let it do its thing, eventually it spits you out. If you, if you try to swim during that process, you're gonna drown. So the only way to do is like, sometimes you just gotta let that shit fuck you up. And then at the end, once it stops, then you swim. Do you know what I mean? Sure, it kind of, it'll throw you on the river bank and then hopefully you can crawl your way up. Well, I mean, any surfer knows, like, or anybody who does in water sports knows that, like, if you get in a really bad spot, like, you, you just got to kind of hold your breath, stay relaxed, mm. and eventually it's going to spit you out. And if you f struggle at any time before that, you'll lose your oxygen that you'll need when it's really time to use it. So you just have to know when it's time to swim. And when it's time to just let it let it push you around a bit, and then pick your moment to swim. For you, is it, is this something you'd always kind of? Uh, was this a, a mentality you always had? No, or is this something it was you learned? Not throughout? I learned. Okay. <laughs> I learned very harshly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's if if I'm getting too personal? Obviously. Uh, no, I'll, I won't say nothing too personal, anyways. But. Um, what for you was a turnaround then? Was it uh, writing a song? Was it, what kind of? Uh, yeah, w when did you know to use your breath and kind of get out? Oh, I had no choice. I, I, there was just a moments where I was just like, in just in like a pretty particular circumstance, where I was like, 
I'm just gonna have to ride this thing out, and and then like, it's just what's gonna happen. There's nothing you can do about it. Just stay chill. It's gonna pass. Hmm. And it was the only way. It was no other way. It was, it was like there was no other way of learning it. Right. <laughs> But do you do you then look at those songs that came out of it differently than perhaps some other songs that you've written, or is it all part of the same kind of creative? What do you mean, this album or this? Well, this album or the, the particular. I mean, Brazil's album is like a little particular because the life. You, I mean, life. My life's always gets integrated in your music. Is how could it not? Mm -hmm. It's gonna have an effect. I mean, this one's just different, just because there were just. Challenges that involve like totally reinventing everything, mm. in a way, and just like everything you kind of thought things were going to be, it just wasn't going to be that way. Mm. And you're just kind of making peace with that kind of thing versus like having a tough moment. It's not the end of the world, but like. Right, and uh, now for the single, the kind of the, this what what you describe in, in the new single, kind of uh, dreams that you have. Jamin, when, when you're. Uh, I suppose everybody does this, but you have kind of visions or dreams of how your life is going to turn out, or are just like moments when your life shifts, and then you're like, "Oh my God! Like, is this <laughs> is this for real?" <laughs> you're like, "You gotta be kidding me!" There is a certain sense of humor, dream to dreaming. Sure. That's why there's the puppets. Sure. I know you're just like, "Fuck!" I can't, really, are you just for real about this? And mm. you're just kind of like, "I guess so," and it's kind of funny. But did it's you kind of not funny, but it is funny. Sure, there, there's there's always a, a sense of comedy and tragedy, I suppose. Well, at some point, when like, I think the greatest thing about like when I have to start over from scratch, is that like before you've ever had to really start from scratch, you kind of like are really worried that things will fall apart, and it makes mm. you a little bit nervous about keeping things together. But then once actually like things you thought you can't rebuild, and you do rebuild them, you get a You gain a different confidence in life, being like, "Well, it's kind of okay. It's not what you thought." You just kind of like let go a bit. It's kind of a lot nicer to live like that than holding on to things that are really hard to hold on to. Mm. And I suppose, it, yeah, like you mentioned, it also uh, makes you realize that you can get through tough situations or times. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like also like there's a lot of ideas of like what things should be. Right, sure. Yes. I think people have a lot of ideas of like where they should be and what things should be, and like, I think some of those ideas are more damaging than it just being not that way. Sure. <laughs> just being super relaxed and be like, well, it's not perfect. It happens. It's okay. <laughs> like, I've never been happier. Have you ever had this uh, feeling towards music, kind of, uh, and, and <coughs> the industry, and then kind of? When you started out and then had a vision of, of what it would be to be a touring musician, and th did you ever have kind of those? I kinds didn't of want to be a touring musician, so I didn't really have any visions okay. until I did it. I just wanted to be—I just wanted to write music and do things. Right. I didn't think I'd be like some singer and touring. I just didn't have that kind of vision in the career. I thought more like, oh, I'm going to write like music for these like weird installations and okay. make these magical moments. Uh, I didn't even really like. I wasn't. I was terrible at writing songs when I was really young. I mean, the songs were so. I listened to them recently, and they're so awful. I was just so bad at it. <laughs> and then I guess when I found pictures for Waterproof Nine, I started to get an idea of how to do it. And then I got outside of myself a bit, and I was like, oh, that's much more interesting. And I think with every album, I just get. I just get, you know, some things get better, some things get worse. But 
I don't think this album's like filled with really well-written songs. Mm. I think it's a very, I think it's a very strong record for that. Like a lot of the songs are just really, really strong. And and well, you men mentioned the sparseness or or the kind of the, uh, yeah, I don't know if that if that's the right word, but kind of of the music. And then did was that a, an effort to to make people focus on the lyrics and the kind of the intonations well, and? It's about like having good lyrics. And that was the tough part about this record is that like since it's so bare, if the lyrics are mediocre, it just disappears right away. The whole thing. So then it would like every word had to count because it was so damn simple. Like if I got like big reverbs on everything and stuff, sure. I can just talk about unicorns and leprechauns and no one know the difference. But if it's just like you just kind of barely just talking the words, they have a lot more weight. So you better have weight behind the words. So you spend a lot more time lyrics because of that. Right. And now. Kind of to round off uh, this interview, to, to, to kind of start where we're, uh, that's not right, to, to yeah, stop where it. we started. Yeah. Um, quite recently, you did a show in Amsterdam, uh, I, I suppose with the new material. So what yeah. have you noticed about, and not just in Amsterdam, but what have you noticed about how people react to, to what you've... I find people react more immediate to these songs than before. Like usually you play a new song and people are like they, they think it's cool and they like it, but you won't get like they won't love like it seems like people take in the song faster mm. than normal, and uh, it's really hard for me to know because I'm on the stage. You know what I mean? I don't really know how people are taking. I know that they're really easy to play and they just play very easily without effort. Like you don't need to, to do big. You don't need fireworks for it to be touching. Like just they're just touching pretty easily without much work you know sure. and if I just concentrate on the words and concentrate on this the bare bones of it it just seems to really just do it well let me ask it slightly differently then because uh, obviously at some level you'll care about what the what the audience thinks but um, do you ever worry about what the audience might think of the music because you like you say you never thought about being touring I musician don't necessarily worry about the audience I just Worry like I don't want to go on a stage and just it's not a fun concert. Right. I don't think it's about worrying about like I just like when it feels good. It's more of a selfish thing. It just feels good when it feels good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, and that's a bad thing and a good thing. Like, like I I have a huge admiration for like some performers will walk on stage and they'll just bring something totally fucking crazy and mm -hmm. make these statements that makes everybody really uncomfortable, and they just have the power to do that and they're comfortable with that. I have like, lar like large amounts of respect for that and admiration because I'm just not good at that. I'm too sensitive and I, I really have trouble making people feel uncomfortable. I'm just, sure. just not good at it. Uh, it's not one of my gifts, but I do have like large admiration for the people who can do that. It's such cool, it's such a great thing to be able to do. How come? It just takes, it's just some people have that gift, it's such a gift. Well, I get what you're saying, but why, for instance, um why would you like to be able to make people? It sounds, sounds so It just weird, means but. that you can like stand in the wave of like a crowd of people and have like a strong enough bubble around mm. you that you like their bubble can't even influence your bubble and you can like withstand the. Being in front of an audience is like a large feeling. Sure. And being able to stand up to that sensation and be like, nope, I'm gonna make it like totally something that's gonna make it really difficult for you guys. It's just like a real, I just have a large admiration for people who can do that. And I don't mean in a cheap way. Sure. I mean like the real way. 
Like, for example, Conan Moxon. Have you ever seen him live? Sure. Uh, I haven't. I, I've, I've spoken to him, but I haven't seen It's him like before. the weirdest thing. He'll literally, like, walk, mumble and walk around the stage for, like, five minutes between songs. So uncomfortable. <laughs> but it makes people feel free by the end of the concert because he's just so crazy and out that right. people start feeling just like, oh. They just, people let go of everything at the same right. time because he's let go. He's let go of such an extreme amount that, like, you just, like, all the things you're supposed to do as a singer, like nobody gives a crap anymore. Yeah, I think when someone's like a real, like when I say punk, I mean punk in the real sense, not like the, not the fashion sense. Mm. Someone who's just like stand up to a, a whole room that wants one thing and you just break all those rules and you don't give it to them and to the point where people let go of them and then they get a sense of freedom. I mean, that's like the real translation of what a punk can do and offer people. And I think it's like a, an incredible gift to have that. And I have like large admiration for anybody who has that gift because I think it's a very important gift. All right. Patrick, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you.